This is a podcast by The Straits Times. When I think of Oracle today, what shall I call it? A technology company? A software company? Or a cloud infrastructure company? Yes. <laughs> All of that? <laughs> we are definitely a technology company. We are focused in terms of software, hardware, and how those integrate and come together from a cloud perspective. I like to think more of that. How do we take companies into the future as digital organizations? That was Chris Havrila, Vice President for Human Capital at Orca. If you're familiar with technology companies, you wouldn't be surprised that Chris was tickled by my question about what her Texas-based employer does. Well, for one, tech companies create goods and services that disrupt the way we do things. And the disruptions to the way we do things disrupt the tech companies. Whatever. Another reason this happens is when these companies grow big, really big, like this one, which parent company made 280 billion US dollars in revenues last year. Google's a technology company and our mission has been consistent from the very beginning. It's to organize the world's information and to make it universally accessible and useful. That really comes to life firstly through our products and services. That includes things like Search and Maps and Gmail, Chrome, Android Play, Google Drive. But the second part of it is that we're also in the business of helping other businesses. So we work with startups, we work with large corporations, small businesses alike, and we offer solutions that sort of cut across a variety of areas. Online advertising, that's clearly the lifeblood of our commercial business. We also help businesses through our cloud computing and enterprise software solutions through our Google Cloud options as well, and that can really help businesses scale. Now, as it relates to our Singapore operation, we do a whole bunch of stuff here. So this is our Asia Pacific headquarters, We have a bunch of teams working across both the areas that I just mentioned, whether it be on the product side or whether it be helping businesses. And then we have a range of different departments and functions that support these efforts across partnerships, strategy and operations, finance, legal, public policy, and a range of other things as well. That was a nutshell summary about what Google does from Ben King, Managing Director of the Google Office in Singapore. This is Chris Wu, and you're listening to the 17th episode of Work Talk, a podcast series to help you think deeper, work smarter, and get ahead in your work life. We're in part two of the special series, Where the Tech Jobs Are. In this series, we invite tech leaders to demystify what their companies do, see what innovations they have their eyes on, and tell what it feels like to work in their firms. So, if you're one of those curious about some of the world's most famous tech names, listen on. This is your chance to get a sneak behind the scenes. For our young guest today, we're joined by Cheryl Lowe. Cheryl is one year into her first job. I'm actually currently an analyst at Access Partnership. So I actually just started and I just graduated, as she mentioned, not too long ago in a degree in international relations and economics. So I actually stumbled into the tech sector because Access Partnership is a tech policy consulting firm. And finally, after graduation, I got to the point where I was able to marry my accidental path into tech uh, and my actual interest in policy work together. Cheryl says that she and her peers are generally aware of the solutions offered by Oracle and Google. But she adds, I I don't know why you're asking this question because with tech companies like Google and Oracle, sometimes there seems to be a curtain like surrounding these companies, but sometimes really hard to totally understand what they do. It's not entirely surprising that people wouldn't have a crystal clear view of everything we do. I joined Google 11 years ago and the company that we operate, well, that I'm operating within now is very different to that company that I first joined. And that's just based on the various different evolutions we've needed to make 
based on technological advancement, but also changes in the needs and, I guess, requirements as it relates to serving our user base. Change. Of course, the most transformative change on everyone's lips recently has been generative AI, or artificial intelligence. It has taken the world by storm since ChatGPT's release last November. It is one of the most pressing and important technologies that Google is working on to integrate into its solutions. At Google, we've been working on generative AI capabilities for many years now. It's, and in our recent announcements around BART and generative AI, features that have been worked into Google Workspace. So it's something that's not new to our company. So it'll be an exciting time to see what more we can do as we further develop the technology and we apply it in, a, in what is ideally a very responsible fashion. But it is not the only thing that Google is spending a lot of time and its brain power on. I think something else that we're keeping an eye on is sustainability. Over the last two decades, Google's been making a lot of investments to make our operations and our communities more sustainable. We're seeing how sort of technology-driven innovation can address some of these environmental challenges. Things like Environmental Insights Explorer, which was developed to help city governments measure carbon emissions and get data insights about their environmental impact. We have engineering teams based here in Singapore focused on developing and introducing eco-friendly features into products like Maps uh, across the region. Like many others in the industry, Google has trimmed jobs and slowed down measurably on hiring. What do the rapid cycles in tech mean for technology workers? Here's what Chris thinks. In technology, the average shelf life of a skill is about 18 to 24 months. We're not in a time where it's just, wow, we can always just focus on pure hard skills. What I've seen in a lot of employers and customers looking for those softer skills, whether it's communication, critical thinking, empathy, organization problem solving, resourcefulness, curiosity, time management, so that they have the kind of agility necessary. We're in unprecedented times. We have still the labor and skill shortages that we've seen over the past few years, an incredibly different workforce with different expectations and changing all the time. Demographically, we've got economic volatility as well, and people maybe having to reduce headcount at the same time as desperately needing talent and skills. If we're going to continue to navigate this, we've got to be able to skill up, skill down, reskill, adapt, do all these things. And we have to train our workforce to be able to do that, not just the pure hard skills. In the regional study that Google did with the economy's impact, it found that close to 70% of local employees believe digital skills are a priority. About 51% of employees are keen to work on their soft skills. 53% want to train their analytical skills. What skills does Google seek in its hires? We first of all look for role-related knowledge. Secondly, general cognitive ability. So in other words, an ability to solve problems, to manage through ambiguous challenges, to support solutions and to communicate ideas and positions effectively. Thirdly, we look for leadership and not management per se, but leadership. Can you lead projects? Can you lead through ambiguous challenges to drive outcomes. And then fourth, we look for something we call googliness, which just to distill that, it's, it's attributes that indicate a willingness to challenge the status quo, willingness to really focus above all else on the customer and then also treating each other with respect. So we would interview around these various different attributes or skills. Soft skills, as Chris said, and leadership skills that Ben highlighted. These are something that many experienced workers offer. However, According to media reports, 
The median age of employees in the United States in 2017 ranged from 26 at Facebook, before it was called Meta, 30 at Google, 39 at HP or Hewlett-Packard. Most employees in the tech world are in their late 20s. I asked Ben, is there even a chance for a middle-aged person to join Google? My, my short answer to that is absolutely yes. You know, I understand it may seem daunting, especially as the job landscape is just consistently evolving. But I truly believe that people have an ability to pursue a second career if they choose. A couple of bits of advice. Number one, I'd encourage people not to be intimidated by change. Through our skilling program, which is Skills Ignition SG, uh, we launched with support of the Singaporean government that allowed mid-career professionals to really skill themselves up and move towards making a career switch into different sectors or different roles. And a lot of the feedback we got from them was that there was an incredibly uncomfortable experience, but it was a very exciting experience. I think being uncomfortably excited is not a bad thing at all. My, my second bit of advice would be just use technology to your advantage. We're fortunate to live in a time where technology enables us to search for information at the tap of our fingertips. And one way you can think about upskilling yourself is through these online micro-credentials. So our version is Google Career Certificates. They're a way to help upskill anyone in high-demand areas like data analytics, digital marketing, and X design, just to name a couple. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's get back to the conversation with my guest, Chris Harilla, Vice President for Human Capital Oracle, Ben King, Managing Director of the Google Office in Singapore, and Cheryl Lowe, a young executive who is one year into her first job. I want to ask about culture. Last month, Google Singapore won the top spot among 250 best employers listed by data firm Statista. The list was based on online responses collected from workers around last October. But this year, we also hear news about how Google might be falling behind in the AI race. And because it has laid off thousands of workers, some are asking if it is no longer the company it used to be. I asked Ben, is Google still a good place to work? I think it's an incredible place to work. There's two elements of our culture that really do still shine through. One is empowerment. We try to exercise high levels of transparency with our teams. We also try to give Google as a voice. We allow people to take responsibility and be autonomous. And an example around that is something like sustainability, where we have passionate Googlers who are looking for and finding ways to get involved in projects and initiatives that can help solve really big problems. The second part's around innovation. Google, we strive to give employees the right amount of creative freedom to innovate our aim is to design an environment where the mechanisms are in place to allow good ideas to scale, creating an environment where people feel they can take risks and fail, and that's okay. To answer your question very simply, I do think Google is an incredible place to work. You don't think your famous buffet lines, ping pong tables, and coffee barristers are good reasons to work for Google? They're terrific reasons to work for Google because we did get rated the number one employer in Singapore just coming out of the pandemic. The feedback we were getting from employees was based on a time when they didn't have access to any of that. They're all working from home. So our culture is much, much more than ping pong tables, massages, and free food. What about Oracle, Chris? Uh, for me, we're a company of change makers, and that was incredibly enticing to me. The relentless kind of drive towards innovation, but with purpose. I, I feel 
pretty blessed to be able to to be able to say, yes, we are focused on growth. We are focused on innovation. We are focused on solving solving things. Talking about growth, Chris has this question for Cheryl: What is it about growth? Is it careers? Is it skills? Like, how are you thinking about growth? I think for myself, especially, and I'm very sure a lot of other people as well in my generation, it's about what can we learn, how can we develop ourselves, we. How can we find our place in this society that's constantly changing? And I think, and so I think that's why my generation were happy to be growing in any place, as long as the company is able to grow with us and also then develop their growth. Cheryl, when you're talking about growth, does it include promotions, pay raises, going up in your career? Is the upward trajectory important to you? Yeah, I think for sure. I don't think anybody would say no to that question. Yeah, I'd actually love to hear from Cheryl. What sort of cultural values, from a company standpoint, would you be looking towards as a company that you'd want to work for? So I think for my generation, we usually put an emphasis on companies that align our values. Whether or not we can buy into the vision of a company and be part of that culture, in mind the focus of whether a job helps us to fulfill the certain questions, such as what is my impact in this world, what can I change, what is important to me. Is salary important to you? I'm always asking the same money face question, and I don't think anybody would say otherwise. But I think my generation has the privilege to think about many different priorities as well, about whether or not this company stands for what I believe in as well. Yes, salary is important. Nobody would say otherwise. But whether or not a job fulfills what we believe is true and right, it is always more important. I think. What do you believe is true and right, Cheryl? The reason why I like to be in the tech sector and in the public policy space that I'm currently in. It's because I like to see how making tech available and accessible to everybody is important. If making tech available and accessible to all is important to our young tech workers, the future of how Singaporeans would benefit from our investments in technology is bright. We have come to the end of the second part in this special series of where the tech jobs are. My heartfelt thanks to our guests Chris, Ben, and Cheryl. If you'd like to read stories about the topic, we have links in the show notes. I'm Chris Boo, and on behalf of the production team, thank you for joining us. Happy Labor Day, and have a good work week. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM eighty nine point three, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.